Hello, my friends. This is the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twin Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. And we are Not Just Blowing Smoke. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. Hello, everybody. I'm Pastor Padron, and I've got Paul, Nick, and Dave with me today. And we are again joined by Steve Poirier from LFD. How are you doing, Steve? Gentlemen, good to be back. Holla. Another wonderful Friday. This is awesome. We're continuing our uh, two-part series here on how aging affects tobaccos. And we did cigars last week, and today we're doing pipe tobacco. And uh, we'll get to that in a second, but uh, we're going to start out with Kendra giving us the lowdown on the first pairing that will be going with our aged pipe tobacco. What is that? Hello, everybody. Hello. 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 So last night we had um, a tasting upstairs Mm -hmm. in the lounge. Um, This one that we're pairing tonight was our favorite of the three that we sampled last night. Um, not only was it the tastiest, but it has a lovely, like, bottle. Reminds me very, like, Prohibition style. Mm-hmm. So it has the shelf appeal to it. But um, it's called Minor Case, and it is a rye whiskey that is aged in sherry casks. Yeah. And uh, it's it comes from the Beam family. So Minor Case Beam. Yep, mm, that is that's the man. Very Minor nice. case beam. So um, awesome. it has a little bit of a sweetness, obviously, from that sherry cask. It's incredibly smooth. It's mm. a 90, 90 proof. And um, I think between Dan and I, we agreed this was the the winner. And Paul sampled it, too. And right. it should pair very <laughs> nicely with the aged. Oh, yes. And if Dave likes it, then we know that it's good. Dave approves. He didn't ask for any ice. (laughs) And you you have a uh, thank you you want to do too, correct? Yeah, Yeah. I received a package in the mail this week, and it was a lovely large bottle of Canadian maple syrup. Sweet. So we're going to be using that tomorrow in our pairing class. Very Mm -hmm. excited. Um, I was doing uh, some sampling, and it is, it's excellent stuff. We're doing maple syrup shots the other day, checking it out. Um, definitely nice. pleased, and I thank you very much. It was, it was Ron, right? Ron? Right. Yes. Right. Thank you, Ron. You're uh, the man. Um, uh, uh, Rod. Rod, okay. Rod, yeah. Because the return address just said R. Ah, uh, yes. yes. R. Rod. Brought to you by the letter R. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love and it. We'll be, we'll be using that in the uh, Kentucky Russian, right? Correct, yep. Yep. Um, one more thing about Minor Case that is coming out of the Limestone ri- Branch Distillery mm-hmm. in Kentucky. Also, um, Yellowstone bourbon is made there as well. We sampled that last night, too. Very Sweet. Good. Yeah. All right. Thanks. I know it's wicked busy upstairs, so we appreciate yeah. your time. That seems to be the message every Friday lately. Yeah, absolutely. I can't stay and hang. You, you, <laughs> I'll be back later. All right. you, you can leave Thank the you, bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Leave Please? That bottle. Please leave it. Please? Leave it here. <laughs> uh, she she took it with her oh, and ran. That minx. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, last week, if you recall, uh, Steve brought some very very delicious 
LFD Maduro chisels from 2007 that we smoked alongside chisels from 2019. Mm, and yummy. that was a very, very telling uh, episode there, tasting the differences between the two. Um, this week we're going to do the same thing with pipe tobaccos. We're going to be smoking uh, the same thing back-to-back. We're smoking the uh, Cornell and Deal uh, Joy de Vivre from... 2014 is what we're smoking now, and then we're going to, in the second half of the show, smoke a tin from 2019. So, and the 2019 was just uh, tinned recently, so it's just a few months old, not even uh, a year old. Nice. But uh, so we're doing six year old aged tobacco here, and uh, right off the uh, tin, it says that. Uh, Joy de vivre, that magnificent ability to see the joy in everything, and the very embodiment of the festive spirit of Nolens is the inspiration for this singular, eminently cellar-worthy blend. A foundation of fragrant Latakia, sweet red Virginia is joined by equal amounts of Perique and Caterini Turkish to enhance complexity, and then finished by a dash of unsweetened black Cavendish for extra smoothness. Estimated peak, 8 to 12 years from the tin date. But it's delicious right now. Right so now. Uh, this is part of a series that Cornelian Deal uh, put out that is designed to be cellared or aged. And in this case, they're saying that it will peak in uh, 8 to 12 years. Um, it's an English blend in Black Cavendish, Latakia, Turkish Orientals, Perique, and Virginia. It's a crumble cake, a two-ounce crumble cake that's inside the tin. And uh, that is what we're smoking. We're starting out with the one that's been aged, uh, figuring that that's probably going to be the more mellow one. And then we'll move to what we are assuming, because there's a, uh, it's a very Latakia-forward blend, mm-hmm. will be a little bit stronger in the newer uh, tin right now. Now, a question for you before you continue. Yes. Um, you said that it was a plug, and it comes in like this little brick. Now, what's the difference between a plug and the um? Oh God, the name, the other name escapes me there. Crumble cake. I guess so. Yeah. Cake yeah. What, yeah slice. Or cake or coin something slice. like that. No, well, I know the difference between that and a coin slice. So but a plug. Just, yeah. A plug. They're both made the same way. Yep. Uh, pressed tobacco, compressed tobacco, that's been heated or or baked under pressure for a while. The crumble cake, you don't need anything to cut it. Okay. With. You're able to just take a pinch off of it with your finger, Yep. and it'll crumble right up. The tobacco is not, um, you know, going all the way across or anything like that. With a, with a plug, you actually have to take a knife and cut it. And cut it, okay. Um, because it's just one big, hard, dense brick. Excellent. Thank you. Cool. So that be the difference there. So what are what are you picking up right away in this uh, uh, 2014 rendition of this tobacco? A lot of tobacco notes. Like I don't know why. Yes. <laughs> well, you. Um, a lot of a lot of spice. I get a lot of spice in the retro. Mm-hmm. Well, the retro absolutely. Yeah. But, but but right off the right off the bat, when you you know take the first few draws of it, it's just that silky smooth, mm. savory sweet. Um, like Nick said. Uh, Incredibly smooth. Just a little spice on the retro hill, but it is unbelievable. This is so smooth. 
Yeah, and it's got the there's this little tingle on the tongue. Ooh. Yeah, little bit of a tingle on the tongue there. Um, now, Steve, you're like staring off into space. Are you like you have a cold or something? I mean, is that what's going on, or are we boring you? What's what's the deal? Trying to figure out what I'm actually tasting here. Mm. The smoothness definitely comes through. For a lot of Kia dominant blend, I'd expect more kind of peaty smoke notes, mm-hmm. um, almost salty, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not getting a lot of that, yep. which surprises me. I'm very interested interested to see what the more recent production smokes like. I, I don't have I don't have a lot of experience with aged pipe tobacco, um, so this is a, a really new thing to me. Yeah, I was also gonna. I guess piggyback on what he was saying. I do get a little bit of the smokiness in there, just a tad bit alongside that nice spice smoothness. Mm. Uh, maybe some earthiness in there too. Mm. It's very light though. It is. It's it's, a, mm. it's really. It's mellow. not heavy. Yeah, it's really light on the palate. I get a really mellow, subdued kind of smoky mesquite kind of taste, mm. woody kind of taste. Um, there's some nice spice in the background mm. on my tongue. It's not a pepper kind of spice, um, but it's savory. Mm. Maybe a savory is a, is a good yeah. way to describe it. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a sweetness to this. Mm. It's a very, yeah, there's a, but it's not, um, it's certainly not overly sweet. Oh, not you overly know, spicy, that, that, not overly sweet. Not overly savory. Mm. Just it's it's almost like the it's like the perfect combination of all three. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the the, retro, the retrohale is like especially smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it is it is absolutely delightful. The um, yeah, I'm getting that mesquite kind of you know, little kind of like a maybe a watered down a one sauce or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, um, yep. Um, it's fantastic. Oh. For me, it's almost like the Perique comes through a little bit more than the Latakia. Mm. Um, the Latakia is really subdued. Yeah. Well, this is this is one of the things as far as pipe tobacco goes. You know, um, how you process the tobaccos is going to determine how well it ages. Um, in this case, Latakia is a uh, fire cured tobacco. It's been uh, you know, dried over, uh, you know, a, a low-burning fire of aromatic woods for a period of months. And that process takes a lot of the, sh- you know, changes a lot of the starch in the leaf to sugar, and then it is gone, turning into CO2. So there's not a lot of sugar left. So, so... Latakia does not really hold that smoky strength over time. Over time, Latakia is going to mellow out. And that's what we're noticing here. That, that, um, so if we're going to piggyback on last week's episode, Steve, you know, the, because the Latakia uh, strength uh, kind of mellows out over time, you're able to pick up other, you know, secondary and tertiary flavors that you wouldn't normally pick up. And I don't think we'll pick up some of the flavors that we're experiencing now in the new stuff because the Latakia is going to be much more pronounced. Not that the new stuff is 
overpowering. It's just going to be. I think it's going to be a very different experience. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see in the second half of the show how that goes. The pairing with this too is that with for me it's it's actually bringing out a little bit more of the wood and mm-hmm. maybe a a, a, a a slight cedar flavor. The sweetness. The sweetness, but the sweetness. It, uh, but, but with the with the pairing with yeah with the drink <clears throat> yeah that's that's those are the notes that I'm picking up. So if you take a little bit of the of the minor case and you couple of the drawers of the tobacco the, the wood and slightly cedar notes is mm. what I'm picking up the nose on the on this is amazing mm-hmm. the nose on the drink on the drink yes on the minor case very very good very good it's very mm. smooth oh. great pairing mm. too you liked it great pairing yeah. yeah I absolutely think this was the best one that we had uh, <clears throat> when we were discussing mm. which one to use this is without a doubt yeah, no, it, it really it really complements the the um, uh, English blend, I think, really well, and particularly this older one where the Latakian is a little bit more subdued. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it complements the smoothness. They're mm-hmm. both very smooth. Mm-hmm. And it does. I think it does bring out the sweetness of the Virginias in this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, you know the uh, unsweetened black Cavendish, and I think. That's important too. You know, one of the one of the things you need to know about aging pipe tobacco is you know um, Cavendish is uh, most often Burley, sometimes Virginia, that's been steamed and pressed, and in that process, uh, that steam includes flavorings. Uh, you know, that's how you get like your cherry flavored or chocolate flavored or coffee flavored whatever it is that process is done to the Cavendish um, uh, in the in the process um, and along with that come you know chemicals that are designed to keep those flavors from producing mold and stuff like that and essentially halts any aging process that's going on chemically speaking so aromatics as a rule, do not really age well at all. You might as well just smoke them while you got them, because the in order to keep the stuff from uh, becoming moldy, there are chemicals in there that keep that keep the aging process from happening. Hmm. So, when you're using unsweetened black Cavendish, none of that those added preservatives or anything were necessary. So that can still hold its own. So I, the, and I bring all that up to say I think it's the bit of black Cavendish in there that, that's giving a, a really kind of a nice sweetness to the back of this. Yeah. It's almost like this light, you know, brown sugary kind of sweetness in the yeah. background. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost um, like perny, mm, like slightly mm-hmm. raisinated. Mm, that's definitely and that, and that and that happens no. with the Perique. Yeah, the perique, you know, over time becomes more fruity and less peppery. And that raisiny, figgy, you know, dried fruit kind of uh, taste, that's the perique. Yeah, definitely getting that. Definitely getting that on the palate and the mm. retro ale. Oh, that raisiny, almost mm-hmm. uh, sweetness there, and combined with the, the smokiness that's in there too, which is really nice. And then you get that, the sip of the... Uh, of the bourbon here is it bourbon or whiskey? 
This is rye. This is rye. Okay. Mm. Very uh, incredibly smooth though. This is probably the smoothest rye I've had. Yeah. I mean, we had uh, whistle pick last week. Mm -hmm. That was a good one. And that was but that's a that's almost like a sharp spice with the with the fruit and it Mm -hmm. it lingered. Mm. This is this is finishing a lot cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no real lingering of this. Maybe for a second or two, and that's it. It's it's it's, it just goes away. Mm. But the the thing that keep that stays with me on the drink is the wood. Mm-hmm. Is that the barrel? I'm assuming that the yeah. because it's aged sure. in there. So sure. the cherry that, barrels, or was it? Uh, yeah. Sherry, 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 yeah. not, not cherry. Sherry. sherry, the cherry barrels. I taste <laughs> it. Sherry. It's so <laughs> it's so sherry. Oh my god. <laughs> well, oh. excuse my ignorance, but what's sherry? Paul. I don't smoke. I'm sorry. I don't drink sherry. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry is uh, one of those fortified wines, slightly sweet, um, almost kind of port-esque, but a lot less residual sugar. Um, great after-dinner drink, if you're into that kind of thing. Thank you, Steve. So you're there welcome. you go. There you go. And mm. in terms of um, a sherry barrel, <laughs> if you drink Macallan, mm-hmm. there's a note from a sherry barrel that you get that's almost chocolatey mm. and I'm trying to distinguish if I'm getting mm. a slight chocolate hint from the pipe tobacco blend mm-hmm. or if it's lingering from the rye I can't quite distinguish it my palate is uh, a little overwhelmed today I smoke <laughs> a few too many cigars sadly no like we said last time your your palate is very delicate it is it, it can is be very, easily kicked out of very sensitive out of its thing there so uh, I'm getting some, you know, cocoa notes too in mine. Is any is anyone else picking that up? Not yet. No. Not yet. Not yet. Nick. Um, maybe now that you mentioned it, just a tad bit mm-hmm. on like right at the end of my retro hail, just a tad bit of cocoa, just a mm. tad bit, just a tad bit. It's slightly reminiscent of the aged chisel Maduro. It kind of has that dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. Not Tootsie Roll, not quite as sweet, but you notice it's there, and it's fairly prevalent. It's a, it's a, it's. It's almost like a real sweet, rich barbecue sauce kind of a. A sweet. little bit, a yeah. little bit. I don't, I don't. In my opinion, I wouldn't go as far as saying barbecue sauce, okay. but. Definitely I'm trying to place the flavors. Sweet. It's more like a mis- like an A one sauce. Mm-hmm. I feel it's like uh, on the outside. Something it's like, like that. steak sauce. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to no, say I, steak sauce earlier, but I didn't want to go yeah, down that road. But it's a very. It's but, like mellowed. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like yeah. So maybe you said watered down, down or, yeah. or settled or down. Settled. Settled. settled yeah. Settled. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah settled is a better word than watered down because yes. it's still mm-hmm. got plenty of flavor. Now is it is it settled or settled? It's settled. Subtle. Subtle. Because you're saying subtle. settled. Settled. Subtle. Because it's settled. Not, settle. It's not subtle. settled. It's subtle. S U B T L E. Subtle. Sorry. I'm like, I'm like half deaf, so you're going to have to. Turn up your headphones. Been listening bro. To, yeah. What? Turn up your headphones. Bro. <laughs> what? Turn up your headphones. He's bro. in mourning. Mm-hmm. Give him a break. Um, we all, I guess we're all in mourning. That was. All right, Dave. Tell people. Go ahead. What's going on? For people that don't know. For people that don't know, my my um, my musical hero of my life 
Neil Peart died two, uh, two days ago of uh, brain cancer. So I've been in, in mourning for the last few hours since I found out. Listening to very loud drum solos that have made him deaf. <laughs> no, I was deaf way before that. <laughs> you want to tell us why? Um, <laughs> well, because I jumped off a cliff. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you jumped off a cliff. He did. Yeah, well, he did. back in the day, we had this thing. Back in the day. <laughs> we had this place to go to to swim called the Quincy Quarries, which has been drained and filled since. And um, there was a part of it that was like a 90-foot drop, which I jumped off of uh, for a girl. So you did this willingly. <laughs> yes. Ooh. And what happened to that girl, man? Uh, See you later. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, she uh, was never I, seen I, again. <laughs> <laughs> I bursted an eardrum, and uh, it was it was probably one of the most painful things I ever I ever experienced. I've had two surgeries since then on my left ear. They um, took a piece of cartilage uh, and remade my ear bones mm. and remade my eardrum. So it's just never been it's never been the same. So. Is that from just hitting the water at... Going too far under too fast. Oh. The pressure ah, differential. Right. Yeah. Right. Burst of the eardrum. You didn't clear your senses, kid. But you didn't hit anything in those quarries, like any uh, logs? The, or no, pressure. but there were plenty of like cans and bottles floating on it, which yeah. is the reason why yeah. I didn't want to go down. I know exactly the quarry you're talking yeah. about. What quarry would that, this it, be? It's in Quincy. Quincy, yeah. Quincy quarries. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, it was before your time, sir. I suppose it was. Yeah. Yeah. This had to have been at least thirty years ago. So. You're lucky you came away from that alive. So, well, I'm, I'm a good diver. Yeah, even other even people have not. Even from a little kid, I've been a good diver. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell that story, Dan? You remember that in uh, Pennsylvania? Diver, I as in I don't remember. I don't remember the story that you referred to off the top of my head. I, uh, we were. I remember that pool. Yeah, we were at, we at a, a we high had, dive. We had a. It was a high Olympic dive. I don't know what the uh, the top one is, but I went up to the top and it had to be um, at least twenty feet. It's twenty or thirty feet. Yeah, I was just a little. I don't know how old I was. I had to have been like I don't know six or seven or something like that. And my parents were looking for me, and they saw me at the top, staring down, and I just jumped off and did a swan dive, <laughs> bloop, right into the water. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, we all did that. I did it once, and that was enough. <laughs> I believe you did it several times, mm. if I recall correctly. I think Dave yep. might be a little bit of a glutton for punishment. Yep. Mm. A little sadistic. Yep. I'm a rush seeker. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that pun will bring us away from that conversation about rush back to the pipe tobacco that we are experiencing here. Mm. Um you know, one of the questions I had about um, aging pipe tobacco is, you, you know, kind of like how you were talking with cigars last week. If you take them out of the box and put them into your humidor and just let them sit there, you know, there's they'll probably stay properly if you're taking care of your humidor, they're going to stay properly humidified. The temperature, if you're keeping it controlled, will keep that fine. And they will keep for a long time. But there's a difference, I think, between keeping cigars or pipe tobacco in smokable condition 
and aging them. Mm. Would you agree with that, Steve? For pipe tobacco, I don't have enough experience. I'm gonna. Uh, well, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm, re- I'm gonna. Your default. Exp- I'm, I'm. I'm wanting to know about cigars. Keeping a cigar in smokable condition really depends on at what humidity you like to smoke, um, and realistically, you're not going to keep uh, a box of cigars aging at let's call it you know seventy seventy. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend doing that. Um, the moisture, I don't think, will do any favors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that increased oxidation that you're going to have at a higher temperature is also not going to do it any favors. Yeah. Um, it'll probably quicken that aging process or potentially give you some notes that you really don't want out of that tobacco. It could okay. get a little musty. But um, you would agree that that you can keep a cigar smokable for a long time. But not necessarily. But that that is not necessarily the same process as aging it, so that that's so that, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's um, keeping a cigar smokable. I mean, as long as it's properly humidified, you mm-hmm. can smoke any cigar. It's just a question of what flavors you want mm. to keep within <laughs> that tobacco. Mm-hmm. Um, and keeping perfect example pipe tobacco mm. sealed in a tin. Um, you really need to keep the um, air exchange down to a minimum. Yes. Um, for both pipe tobacco and cigars. Mm-hmm. So, what would be? What do you think is probably the the lowest? I had a customer um, just last week who um, was talking about um, having a problem with his his uh, his storage system, and I'm like, "Where where are you keeping it?" He's like, "In the cellar." I'm like, "How cold is it?" He's like, "Around 60." I'm like, eh. I mean, 60 degrees, I, like, my aging humidor I keep generally around 62, 63. Um, if we go back to the UK, um, I would bet the sellers over there are probably in that low 60, high 50 range. Um, it really comes down to keeping proper humidity because at that temperature, the uh, ability to hold humidity within the air is um, very difficult. Um, and traditionally, 70-70, if you try and keep 70% humidity at 59, it doesn't translate to that 70-70 range. I, there's a chart in one of my shops in um, Syracuse, New York, I wish I took a picture of it the last time I was there, um, that will easily translate temperature and humidity and try and balance it at that 70 range. Um, realistically, you're probably looking at 60 degrees, you're 86% humidity would probably be about 70 in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things. Um, and obviously you wouldn't want to keep anything at that type of humidity because it's bordering on uh, having a thunderstorm in your humidor. Um, obviously right. not that aggressive, but it's bordering on raining mm-hmm. because the air just can't hold the humidity right. at that point. Yeah. Um, I haven't tried aging at a higher humidity. Um, I don't think it will do any anything good. Um, you're probably looking at potential mold growth at that point. Um, And I think that's a much larger problem. Obviously, if you're aging a single cigar, um, you're risking losing all of the essential oils in that tobacco. Um, Keeping it in a box, sealed, it kind of gives a little bit of a buffer. That humidity will stay a little bit more constant. Um, I kind of want to do some testing for aging. 
but that would require many more humidors than I currently have. Yeah, have plenty. <laughs> See, coming from like you know a food service background, what thing that blows my mind has been nailed into our heads that anything above um, like forty five degrees, you're in the danger zone for for bacteria and for you know foodborne alias or for anything pretty much harmful to grow. And you know tobacco is, and you know it's an agricultural product, so right. Um, that's why it's like when I when I first heard like you know you're keeping it seventy to seventy I'm like or something like around that I was like that can't be good, the, but the, I'm surprised about how how often nothing happens. The big difference you have between um, the food service standpoint is you're not holding a ton of moisture in the tobacco. It is effectively dried and fermented, and you don't have a lot of uh, pathogens involved when you're talking about let's use a steak for example um you keep a steak at 50 degrees um for that's still got blood in it so i mean yeah there's significantly more moisture in that and that's where you come into problems that moisture will essentially allow for pathogen growth well the same with lettuce or spinach or anything like that too Yeah, yeah there's a lot more there's a lot more water in it um and that, that makes sense to me now thank you that would be one of the things to to say about aging pipe tobacco too is that um Probably the worst thing you could do with aging pipe tobacco is to keep it in your humidor. You need to keep it in a dark place, in a cold place, in a low humidity place. So, um, you know, there's a, I think, a reason that, that, you know, I think that the term cellaring pipe tobacco, I think, has just come over from the whole wine cellaring thing, keeping it in a cool, dark place. Um, you know, light, you know, will affect things. Temperature will affect things. Obviously, light is going to have a much less of effect if you're keeping your stuff in a tin. Right. But if you're keeping it in a mason jar, that's going to affect the aging process. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, as far as, you know, I think one of the things, you know, worth mentioning about that, too, is I know a lot of people out there... Um, you know, when they're saving their tobacco, just immediately take them out of the tin, put them in a mason jar. You know, the tin will keep tobacco smokable for, you know, a good long time. And if it's sealed, you can forget about it for years and it will be fine. There is, a, there was enough air is in the sealed tin to um, keep aerobic and anaerobic, you know, uh, processes going that furthers that breakdown of um, starch to sugar in the tobacco that that creates that the aging that you want Um, but if you're constantly opening the tin or constantly opening the uh, mason jar um, aging is going to slow way way down or stop altogether Um, so if you're going to put your tobacco in a tin to or in a mason jar to age it um you know there's really two schools of thought about that and uh one school is fill it about you know well in this way both of them agree fill up the tin or mason jar i mean um leaving it like an inch or filling it up three quarters of the way or, you know, leave a, leave a good amount of space at the top. Don't fill it all the way up because you want some air in there. Screw on the top and forget about it. And uh, the other 
uh, school of thought is you want to get that airtight seal. And so what you would do is fill up your sink with um, hot tap water, as hot as you can get it, around 140 degrees if you can get it. Put the jars in there uh, that are filled with that tobacco, you know, three quarters of the way filled up or, you know, at least an inch away from the top. Put something on top of the jars so that they don't float all over the place and, and uh, get stuff in there. And let them sit for 5, 10, or 15 minutes in there so that the jar heats up. Then take it out, put on the top, screw it tight, and as the jar cools off, it will create suction in there and will airtight seal the the jar so that no more air is going to get in there so that there's enough air to keep that process going the um, aerobic process going but it's not going to get any more than that um, as you know with the first school of thought about not needing to do that the idea is that tobacco's a, a breathing organic thing you don't see us doing that with cigars why would you need to do it with pipe tobacco it makes a that's a pretty good argument um, the other school of thought is that to really make both of those processes work really well you want to limit the amount of air in there and um, when the oxygen is is you know used up by the aerobic process the, then this anaerobic process of breaking down which is much slower starts and that's just as beneficial for pipe tobacco apparently there are you know discernible differences between that uh, i don't know if i have the palate to pick those up steve whose palate is like you know Princess P's palette <laughs> could probably pick it up. Um, like a baby's bottom. But the idea being that once you've sealed that jar, let it sit in the dark, in a closet, away from any humidity and any heat um, for six months before you open it up again. You know, and try it and take notes you know before you smoked it you know before smoke it right out of the tin then take notes six months later then close it up again take notes how it tastes a year later then five years later then ten years later and see how things change that way um that's really what you do you know so if you get if you get a tin of of uh, tobacco there's really not a whole lot you need to do just throw it away and do it but if you're doing the um, mason jar thing maybe you try both of those methods and see if there's a difference making thing for you doing it airtight or screwing the top tight but not bothering to make the uh, airtight seal on it with the hot water application now with those two schools of thought have you done that and if so have you noticed anything about the two different ways of aging them in terms of the, the experience with the, with the tobacco? I have not done the mason jar thing. Um, I have aged tins unopened for periods of time. Okay. Um, and that has been, that's generally been how I've done it. 
I haven't wanted to go out and invest in a ton of mason jars and, you know, just add all of that stuff. I'd rather just let it sit and let it go. So um, I do have a couple of mason jars. I think I said last week I have a, I have a mason jar for um, uh, uh, my Gawith Hogarth uh, Dark Bird's Eye because it's easier for me to get out of there than it is out of a out of a you know the bag you get here and ooh that's something else I should talk about that I read today that I think is important um, you don't want to keep pipe tobacco in plastic for long periods of time and that may surprise you because we give it to you in plastic bags <laughs> Oops. if you're buying bulk that's so that you have something convenient to bring it home but after a while, um, the tobacco, as it's continuing to ferment in the bag, will start to break down the plastic. And the plastic will get taken into the pipe tobacco. Mm, the the pipe tobacco will go into the plastic, much like you see on a, on a cellophane uh, uh, wrapper that's over a cigar. You take it off and it's all yellowed that you know how that has affected that um cellophane is is a wood related product it's not plastic at all so you you know it's not a complete correlation there but kind of like you know i mean how many of you have put like chili into a plastic container and then that plastic container is forever changed (laughs) and you're you're never you're never able to get that color out of it because it, it affects things well that happens with tobacco and then I know some people out there might be thinking, but those big bulk things come to the shop in huge plastic bags. Well, those plastic bags have been chemically treated so that that process will hold off for up to five years. So that's not true with your Ziploc bags or the little Ziploc bags that you get the stuff in. So if you're buying tobacco in bulk to age, you want to put it into some glass-related thing like a um, mason jar and seal it up right away. You don't want to keep it in the plastic bag forever because that won't be good. Excellent. Mm. So Thanks. now that we've talked a little bit about, about uh, aging tobacco and, and stuff like that, I'm sure we'll talk more about it. What are you guys picking up with this stuff here? Is it getting any more interesting as you're going down the bowl? It's actually, to me, it's it's remained consistent. It really is. It's it's still as smooth as it was when we first lit. Uh, to me, um, that 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 silkiness, mm. the uh, sweetness, the, the the subtle spice, subtle spice, <laughs> subtle on the uh, retrohale it's it hasn't changed one bit for me okay. and, and anything I'm since I'm all out of the the drink now um, I wish I could uh, have a little bit more to uh, oh, that drink continue is so on good. It, is, it is incredible that is a great pairing mm. I'm so glad that uh, we chose this one mm. anything else a little bit more that would have lingered a little bit may have mm. maybe been a little too much for this because this is such a smooth would you say this is a medium or lighter? If, if it was a medium full or a fuller body, it's absolutely straight medium to me. Mm-hmm. Just an incredibly smooth. And I think that the the rye is too. Oh yes, medium body. It's yeah. not as yes. It's not overly powerful at all. Nope. It is so silky smooth. 
the the rye here. I've ne- I agree with you, Paul. I've never had a rye that's this not this smooth. Yeah, this I was when I heard that someone said this was a rye, I was kind of like surprised too because usually those are really strong. There's a bite to a rye that yeah. I've had. And I've bite. Had- uh, <laughs> wow, Nick, that was for you, my friend. Well, thank you. That, let, let me, let thank me, you, but not thank you because that's the only. By the bite. Th- let me <laughs> rephrase. Let me rephrase it. There's, there's a sh- there's a sharpness to it mm. that uh, that you get, <laughs> at least that I've had, and I've oh, had, yeah. I've had you know plenty of rye, and this is without a doubt the smoothest one. I think this is a fantastic rye altogether. Oh, yeah. For sure. Mm. I hope we bring this in if we haven't already. <clears throat> It's a, it's in, it's up it's there. In. I mean, yeah. I, is, it gonna, is it going to be continuing? Okay, good. I think so. Good, Nick. Good. What about you? What are you picking up on this stuff? Um, pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. It, it's very consistent, really smooth. Definitely get, like we were saying earlier, about little hint of chocolate in there. Some mm-hmm. sweetness, uh, kind of plays in the background a little bit. The smoky, mystique t- kind Mesquite. of. Mesquite or mystique? Mystique. mystique. There's a mystique of mystique. mesquite in there the tobacco. Is very, very mesquitish. <laughs> mesquitish. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so like a little on the the smoky barbecueish side, mm-hmm. um, but I, I would range it as as a medium, mm-hmm. just a solid medium. Maybe at first. Because it's it's so smooth, maybe a light medium, but once you start getting uh, about halfway through the bowl, you realize, okay, you got some really nice medium body tobacco you're smoking here in your bowl, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. Mm. Dave, what, what do you think? Yep, I, I'm loving this, this sweet, mild mesquite, and uh, it's very subtle. Um, I would definitely say it's like a, a solid medium, mm-hmm. maybe maybe even a medium minus. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. Light medium, uh, medium minus light is medium. a thing. And uh, uh, I also am mm-hmm. unfortunately out of my rye. Mm-hmm. So um, we've created a monster mm-hmm. here yeah. now. Let me tell you something. That retrohale is not medium though. No, no, it's that not. Retro the retrohale is alive. Is like medium plus well. strong. It's very incredibly rich. rich. There's this nice. Uh, like a salty spiciness to it it's really it's really good now steve what what's your palate telling you as as uh mistreated as it has been today (laughs) my palate is saying i smoked too many cigars today (laughs) redhead stepchild's palate it's definitely has that mesquite note it's there it's obvious um, there's a nice hint of smoke. Like I said, the Latakia is really kind of tapered off. Mm. We're going to see a... I have a feeling we're going to see a very drastic change mm. um, with the Joie de Vivre that's uh, the more recent production. That cocoa note is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had to repack my bowl because I had a slight draw issue going on earlier. Oh, and is that what that mess is over there? Y- no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, lots, <laughs> lots, and lots of messes. Um, but this it's, is it's this very, is, very tasty. This is one of the things, though, I love about pipes, and you can't think, do that with a cigar. I think no, I think <laughs> I said this, but but yeah, you're right. I mean, when you have a plugged cigar, you have very few choices. You can jam a, a sharp instrument into the back of the cigar and give it a lobotomy. And hope that you increase the draw at the risk of 
bursting the cigar or or ripping the wrapper. Um, with pipe tobacco, you can if if there's an issue, you can always reorganize the pack of your bowl and you know um, cigars. And you all know I love cigars. Uh, you know my name is Pastor Padron. It's still not Pastor Pipe, as much as what people may think. You know I love cigars, and you know when I smoke a cigar, you are smoking somebody's work. You are smoking somebody's finished piece of art, basically, and enjoying the the finished work that somebody else has done. When you are smoking a pipe in a much more active way you are adding to that person's work because you are break in this, in this case the the tobacco comes as a, as a cake yeah and so you are taking as much or as little of that cake as you want you're rubbing it out as much or as little as you want making the pieces chunkier or mm-hmm. um more um or smaller depending on how you like putting it in a bowl that's wider or smaller, taller, deeper, and then lighting it how you want. So you're in a lot of ways making this yours, as much yours as it was theirs work of art. You know what I'm saying? So you, you, you're you getting your hands involved and... Getting um, dirty. Yeah, because, the per, you know, all of us are going to, and I noticed this, you know, you know, depending on the pipe you pick, depending on who you are and how much you want to put in and how hard you want it to pack, it's going to be a different thing. And so, you know, I love that about pipes, that it becomes so individualistic that way. And I know people say, hey, that's a lot of extra work. You know, why can't I just go get my cigar, clip the end of it, light the other end of it, and stick it in my mouth and start sucking? Well, you know, here you got this big brick of stuff. You got to break it all off, make a mess, dump it into your pipe, and and get all this stuff. You know, my the the example I and I I was on a um, <laughs> I was on a pipe herf <laughs> Wednesday night, and I came up with this illustration, and I think it really works. Here we to go. me, to me, the difference between pipe smoking and cigar smoking is like the difference between driving a standard and driving an automatic driving a standard takes more work but once you learn that work it's very enjoyable and you may even prefer driving the standard to driving the automatic even though it's a lot less work because you have a lot more control over how the engine works and how it responds than you do with an automatic and so you know, yes, there's more work to it, but it's not like a chore. It becomes part of the whole process. And for us people who really enjoy pipes, maybe as well as cigars, mm-hmm. that's really the reason why. That Because that driving the standard is what we really enjoy about it. Mm-hmm. Is, does that jive with any of you guys too yes absolutely yeah just like a standard you just have you have more control over the drive and right bringing it back to last week think of all the different ways you can punch punch cut a chisel right Mm -hmm. it's very individualized yeah and just just so you know i sold um 
like uh, four chisel maduros yesterday and had all these uh, people cut them uh, like punch the top and punch the bottom then cut it and they were like they were all all of them with their minds were blown it was awesome because it was like yeah. one after another and then the last two was uh, a couple who, who smoked them together and it was just awesome to see the reactions like they never even knew that they could do this and I'm like you know that's what so just cutting a cigar just differently you can have like a totally different cigar and yeah just like wow yeah. this is awesome and you know, like we said, you know, the, the chisel is kind of unique that way because it's one of those things where you can control that that uh, drastic change in how you do stuff. You know, I've done on the same cigar, the straight cut, the bullet cut, the V cut. I don't really discern a ton of difference between those cuts. But you do that with the cigar, that chisel, and it's, a, it's an amazing how different. It yeah, is. It's amazing. And that may that may be a, a, a good question to ask. Steve, have you ever noticed with other cigars, you know, how the choice of cut or the place of cut drastically changes the experience of the cigar outside of the chisel? I think um, it, just not taking the entire cap off a cigar is obviously going to change mm-hmm. how the smoke presents itself onto the palate. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Aroa is a perfect example of um, his cutting technique. He takes a standard Parejo, standard triple cap, mm-hmm. and just takes a little corner off with a double guillotine. Mm-hmm. And it, depending on how you situate that in your mouth, it can direct the smoke in a very specific way. Right. And the volume of smoke that you're going to get is significantly less because there's less airflow going through that cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, but the downside of either punching or taking a very small amount off of a cap is you can sometimes get a little bit of tar built up and if that touches your tongue you know it Mm -hmm. it's very bitter it's very harsh almost acrid and it's Um, very hard to get out of your mouth it's a once you get that on your tongue your palate is smoked Mm mm-hmm completely and utterly trashed um your whole smoking experience is going to go down the tubes no matter how good the cigar is Mm. um and limiting the amount of smoke coming through by using a smaller type of cut um increases the risk of that Mm -hmm. have any of you have the rest of you noticed that as well would you agree with steve disagree with steve yeah i agree absolutely agree with that yep I, I've, I've myself have tried that similar technique with cigars, you know, and uh, absolutely have noticed a, a, a bigger difference. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, it's not funny. It's not funny at <laughs> Nick all. Nick just tried to ash some of his pipe, and the whole the whole thing, the whole just, thing came just came out. Just came out. So upset. <laughs> so upset. <laughs> Aunt, Aunt, Aunt no, no pipe left, no drink left. <laughs> now all I have left can't is drink, just can't smoke. This what do you do? <laughs> all I have, all I have left is a swill called water. So, you know, gotta go on to the next one now. Just Cleanse gotta wait. The palate, Nick. Cleanse that palate. All right, I Dave. Suppose. Uh, since Nick can't contribute anymore, what about you? Um, I have Thanks. just like a. <laughs> I've just. I'm at the very bottom of my bowl. It's pretty much cash. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, this this it's just it's an amazing experience of like how smooth but yet how flavorful it still is. It's 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 cool to see how 
um, with the aging, what I noticed is that the harshness goes down. The flavors probably stay the same, but it, they are more prevalent because the harshness has gone down. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, the pairing will take like the fruitiness from Virginia's or the um, the tang that you get from a mesquite barbecue sauce or from like an A1 sauce kind of thing, a steak sauce, uh, and it just brings it out even more. And it's a fantastic experience. Okay. Um, to help our friend out, we'll, we'll take our break here. When we come back, we will be smoking the 2019 version of Cornell and Deal's Joy de Vivre. All right, everybody, we're back, and we are now smoking the 2019 version of Joie de Vivre. Are you more happy with that? Joie de Vivre. Joie de Vivre. Joie de Vivre. It's French. No one knows how to pronounce it. Uh, and Kendra, Kendra, the potion master, is back. This sounds more Mexican than French. <laughs> but uh, you brought some cocktail. What is this uh, yellow stuff? <laughs> sounds like Russian. I know. I was trying to figure out. That doesn't it's sound all French. Russian. <laughs> what is this yellow stuff? That's all right, more Russian. So I made a game time decision today. I totally switched what I was going to make, you guys. This is a scotch cocktail, and it's not something that I make often at all. I think I've maybe made two or three of them since I've been here. Um, so this is a penicillin, and it's pretty uh, complex. It's got layers here. So we have we have scotch, obviously. We have Johnny Walker. Um, we have Domaine de Canton. So we have some ginger liqueur, lemon juice, and um, some agave syrup, Ooh. and then we just sprinkle a little Laphroaig 10 over the top, so we get that that hint of smokiness. And I I chose the square cube, so the, mm-hmm. the Laphroaig would sit right on the top of that, so you're you're getting that heat in the aroma. Um, but it, it is quite delicious. Oh yeah, it's a and this is a good alternative to a hot toddy since mm-hmm. we're in cl- cold and flu season. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is this is definitely going to cure you. Is this a drink that you made up? I'm, I'm just no, no, no. Who, no. who this has been around a long time, and it was called yeah. the penicillin. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a classic. Um, and, and like I said, not not many people order it. It was on our original drink menu, mm-hmm. but because we made it so little, I took it off. But when I was um, discussing the notes of this tobacco with you, I, it mm-hmm. just it dawned on me. I was like, all right, I yep. think I got it. I she think I got it. took a few draws from the pipe and said, by Jove, I've got it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Penicillin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love me some peated scotch, so, you know, mm. I, I think I just found a drink that I'm going to have as well in my near future. Excellent. Just keep these coming, Kendra. Yep. Okay, you coming. got it. Awesome. First one's free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next one's 25 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I'll take another right now. Uh, uh, Brett's looking through the door. He would like one, too. Yeah, well, he can't have one. He's on the clock. Mm. <laughs> oh, whimper away, bro. Nick is finished. Mm-hmm. I, need, I need another. You're not getting another. I'll Jesus. pay for it. 
I'll pay for it. Wow. You, really so good. you killed Could that you quiz. Wow. It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Oh, God. So oh, good. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's a first. So that is, we've we've all seen Nick drink <laughs> faster than everybody, but we've oh. never actually seen him Thank finish you. in under a minute. <laughs> and we've never actually seen him reorder. I think some people that have seen him finish in under a minute. Well, not on the show. Wow! Damn! And that's Liam Hendricks, the potion master. Look, I, I was very drunk, and it only happened once. Sure did. Uh, that's what she said. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, this took a sideways wow. turn. <laughs> turn and there you road. have it. So, we are now smoking this 2019 version of this English blend. What are you guys picking up? And what differences do you note, good or bad or indifferent, from the other? So A lot of tobacco, though. Like, I don't know Jesus. why. Do you really <laughs> have to play that right now? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, that had to happen. So, on, <clears throat> on the palate, I haven't noticed a big difference. But on the retrohale, there is an absolute difference, and it's a lot more potent. That that retrohale, the spice right there, it's it's a lot more. I don't want to use the word pungent, but it it's it's mm. a lot more prevalent. Yeah, it's there's a lot more spice in yeah. that retrohale. Excellent. It, it uh, um, <laughs> gets your tear ducts going. It's very very spicy. Um, on the oh, palate, yeah, spice. Ooh, it's, yeah. Uh, a little spicy. Yeah, there it is. It is. It's a little spicy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, a lot of the. F- this is still very smooth. Mm-hmm. It's not as silky smooth as the aged twenty fourteen tin, but it is still really good. So right now, I'm I'm gonna say that their their tagline for for the seller series, you know. Um, it's delicious right now, but it'll peak in, you know, however many years. It is delicious right now. It would not be a bad thing to get this, open it up, and just start enjoying it. Um, mm. What about uh, you, Dave? What are you picking up? Uh, the retro hail is, like, insane. Mm. It's very powerful. Um, a lot more pepper. Um, I'm not getting as much as that mesquite. Uh, uh, that I was with the uh, with the uh, with the older one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Nick, what about you? Or are you too drunk now that you? <laughs> He's comatose in his chair. <laughs> <laughs> that would be it. Yes. Had to come back to the to the mic. Mm-hmm. Um, still smooth. Mm-hmm. Definitely a lot more spice. Still getting, I'm getting a lot more smoky, woody, earthy notes in there. Yeah, that I'm, I really like. It's very, it's more powerful than than the aged one, mm. which is the the aged one all all in its glory is fantastic. But I like this one just a tad bit more. I like it how it kind of slaps me in the face a bit, forces me to kind of slow down. I do. Steve's laughing at me right now, but you like that, don't you? Nick? I do like to get slapped in the face once in a while. Um, that's what she said. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. But um, but she did. <laughs> but she did. <laughs> but uh, it's it's really nice. This one, the the old one was medium, solid medium. This one, 
definitely full body. I mm. I think I in my take. Okay. Steve, what about you? So the aged blend definitely had that slight tip of the tongue tingle. Mm-hmm. That's a bit of a uh, tongue twister there. Um, this is you notice that spice, you notice that tingle throughout the entire palate. Mm. Um, still very very smooth on the retro hill. Um, almost a little bit more herbaceous. That cocoa chocolate really doesn't come through no. um, at all. It's probably hidden by a couple primary notes, which would, that would be that woodsy herbaceousness. The penicillin's getting to me. I might be allergic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's really, really... The body's definitely up there um, significantly. Uh, much fuller, much more um, luscious mouthfeel. Mm. Um, you notice it kind of hangs on your palate a little bit more. Yeah, the finish um, is a lot longer. Yep. Yep. And this penicillin is uh, probably the best pairing I've ever had with any tobacco product um, in my life. All right. So wow, that's a, that's, does, that's does a lot. everyone agree with the the pairing Abs- working? Oh god, yeah. It's yeah, insane. Absolutely. Oh god, yeah. yeah. I, can't Go, I definitely do. I do. Yes, I know. Well, I know you liked it. I don't know oh, if yeah. you can tell if it pairs with the tobacco. You I were gone. So. <laughs> it was gone before you. Nick just shot that back real quick and it was so gone. Good. Now, Five, Steve, you would have sworn it was oxygen. It was. <laughs> why is this the best pairing that you've had, or one of the best pairings mm. that you've had? What What do you like? How the drink interacts with the tobacco here? So the ginger notes that you get out of the penicillin. Mm-hmm really complement that smoky slightly sweet note from that tobacco it's it's a perfect contrast yet it just it works in harmony Mm. um it's a very harmonious pairing um it's the sweetness that you don't get in the pipe tobacco comes through in the drink and that really rich luscious almost mesquite note out of that pipe tobacco complements the drink so perfectly it's it's Mm. I'm bordering on a loss for words at how good this is because I just keep staring at this drink in front of me and I want to do what Nick did, but I'm holding back. Another round on Steve, yes. (laughs) Do it. Do it. Do it now. Get to the chopper. Do it. (laughs) Yes, we actually had that on the soundboard. (laughs) Wonderful. So... Now, which of these, you know, are you enjoying more? The old stuff or the new stuff? I'd say the old stuff is more my speed. Why so? I, I just he's, think he's old and decrepit. I'm old and decrepit, just like with, <laughs> with tobacco. Yes. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> no, I just think I just think that while I'm really enjoying this right now, <clears throat> I. The, the aged tobacco just was all over, just incredibly smooth, you know, smooth in the palate that those water, what's that, water? Woody, you, Woody from Rochester right now? Water? I'm getting a Woody. Water. <laughs> I think. The Woody sweet notes and that smooth retrohale was just awesome mm. really well now would you agree though that this drink would be too much yes oh yeah yeah well I, I i i'd like to find out 
you know, that's what I, I would I honestly like to smoke the old one with this drink. Yes. Absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll smoke anything with this drink. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to do that right now on my other pipe. Look right. at you all fancy with your two Look pipes. That. I got more than just two, son. Mm-hmm. Pass that old stuff this way. And I don't okay. mean Paul. <laughs> oh, oh, no no tasting of Paul tonight. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> wow! Wow! Oh, Dave, you're out on I'm not going to touch on that one. Oh, mm. Jesus! <laughs> That's mm. what she said. <laughs> my, my, my! This is what happens apparently when the not just blowing smoke boys drink scotch. <laughs> We're not really sure if this is a good thing. I suppose we'll find out when the numbers come back from this episode. Scotchy scotch. I love scotch. I love scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Get in my belly! Really smooth. Really creamy. That mesquiteness is there. That savory, steak saucy kind of uh, taste is much more prevalent in this, where it was much more subtle and and subdued in the aged tobacco um it's much more up front there's much more smokiness schmookiness from the uh latakia yeah it is really smoky it's a it's a really nice very rich i'm gonna say it's like a medium plus mm. uh, as far as body goes you know maybe full but i i for me i'd say medium plus um it's just you know, that said, um, the biggest difference between these to me is the retro. Yes. The mm-hmm. retro hail is so much more uh, full-bodied yep. than the last one was, yep. uh, the, the one from 2014. Just that difference is just incredible. Mm-hmm. The, the yeah. difference in spice, wood... Mm-hmm. Uh, earthiness leather in that you can all get when you retrohale it um a lot of that wasn't there Uh, there was definitely the spice and some wood but there's a lot more flavor wouldn't you agree coming through the retrohale yes Mm -hmm. there's still that like figgy pruny Mm -hmm. raisinated sweetness coming through on that tobacco Mm -hmm. on the finish it's still there but that cocoa really went away Mm. it's really delicious Where's that penicillin? Right. <laughs> we need to oh, have a little oh. bit left. My gosh, that retrohale is so strong. Mm. Won't last much longer. Excuse us while we drink. Mm. Mm. Um, I love that drink. Mm. Mm. Wow. This <laughs> is so good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So... This, yes, yeah. this, this. One of the things that that I wanted to talk about uh, on the show today was um, the news that Davidoff, Drew Estate, <laughs> Altidus, and General have announced that they are not going to attend this year's upcoming PCA trade show, and. Um, I wanted to talk about what our reaction to that might be, and and um, you know I know there's a lot of you know you know there's 
there's arguments on both sides, you know, for continuing to go with the PCA and and uh, then taking advantage of other trade shows that are less expensive, that are becoming more well attended. Um, but what is n not to be like negative, you know, because uh, I don't want to I don't want to be downing the PCA, but this is going to have a huge effect yeah. on the trade show and on the PCA and. Um, what are our thoughts on that? I mean, to, combined, um, from what I read today, you know, you're talking losing six figures in support for the the actual trade show, and now that's a drink. Gracias. And losing, mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, and losing, you know, almost twenty percent of the floor space is now gone, uh, or will be unused unless other place unless other companies buy it um now i i think steve you're the only person who's been there were you there last year yes i was i've been there the past uh two or three years okay so years. what's what's your impression or first thoughts on on this and what's going through your mind as you hear this news um from a professional standpoint and a voice of um, La Florida Dominicana manufacturer that is currently planning on attending um, PCA. Um, I believe that PCA will find a way to get through. Uh, I hope. Um, I and think be they'll able to try make and a, find a way through. I, I think they have to. Um, this trade show has been going on for many, many decades mm -hmm. um, in various formats. And um, I feel very. Uh, political speaking this way um but i really hope this uh continues because the trade show is a main highlight for um retailers and manufacturers um it's kind of the holy grail it's the um super bowl of um tobacco related events um for everyone everybody's years built around it mm. um and it's, it's going to be a lot of work to try and recover. Um, this is a lot of money that's being um, pulled from PCA, um, which I'm hoping they have the ability to um, sustain and uh, keep things going. Mm. Um, but it's definitely a major hurdle to get through just the sheer amount of money that was pulled out in terms of support um, from these companies. Yeah, and then I imagine, too, the money from they get from just, <coughs> just attending right because the you know i know that um was it altidus usually did the kickoff event and um you know that's a huge event right there but that's outside of paying for the booths yes. and everything right that's a separate sponsorship essentially and i know you know drew estate paid for a lot of the signage which would be you know separate from their actual booth presence but i you know, it's a lot of money to set up the, the booths there. You know, I can understand. I know it's a, know it's a big reason that some companies don't go just because they feel they can spend their money, you know, better being smaller companies, you know, um, getting their product out or advertising or whatever than actually going to that because it's so expensive to do. But um, but you're right. I mean, uh, there's a ton of business that's done there, and uh, I mean, 
a lot of a lot of your business is done for the year at the trade show, right? Most definitely, most definitely. It's um, it's definitely significant. Um, one of my retailers who, um, right after last year's trade show, um, decided he was not attending, hmm. um, and he, you're very familiar with him, Dan, mm-hmm. um, and he would on average spend about a million dollars. Um, for his three stores hmm. uh, at the trade show. And he was uh, taking his bag of money and going elsewhere uh, hmm. this year. So it's going to be a really interesting um, year for the trade show. Hmm. Um, it's going to be difficult, but I'm hoping they pull through. Uh, Paul, what are your thoughts on hearing all this stuff? <laughs> From just from what we've heard uh, <clears throat> from other people that have attended, you know, the other you know, manufacturers and all that, and what we've read is because of the, I guess, the uh, the raise, rising costs and the low return and the dwindling attendance is really what forced uh, these uh, cigar makers not to go. And I guess the big fear is that other other it's going to force maybe other retailers who normally would go to not go. So now they they would be forced to have less people show up. Right. Um, I mean, with, I, I've never been there. Right. Uh, we only go by what we hear from here and what we hear from other people. Um, but <clears throat> since it is a place where a lot of these uh, manufacturers do get uh, a lot of business from. Right. I, I, I'm. I'm with Steve. I, I hope that they do find a, a, a solution and fast, um, so that it can continue on. Do you have anything to say, or are you just going to drink? Uh, well, I've been <laughs> testing out the theory of of the old tobacco and the new drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. Do tell. I don't mean to disrespect anybody here at this table, um, but wow. Mm. You guys got to do it. You guys got to do it. It opens up more flavor in the old tobacco. And what are you picking up? A little bit more spice. The spice is kind of going across the palate between the drink and the tobacco. You're getting a little bit more sweetness from the tobacco. Um, the the seam, uh, not the seam, but the, the spice goes across the palate. Really still smooth, but still kind of getting... Um, uh, more of the sweetness and it's become more of a medium to full versus how I said before I thought it was just a solid medium mm. and it's really good it's the new stuff but toned down and I think a little bit more flavorful because of the drink mm-hmm. I think the acidity in the drink really opens up uh oh She's got it. Like stuck on there. She's got it. More drinks have been ordered. <laughs> this is a total Danger, first. Danger, Will Robinson. Total first. They just ordered it. <clears throat> I think Do you we... want one too? One more for Paul, please. One more for Paul. Yes. All right, I guess I'll have one too. Oh my, oh my gosh. Uh-oh. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We owe you. Uh-oh. I didn't see you guys order a second. I, I did really quietly. I didn't know what was going on, and then a he drink did, showed he up. He did order a second. Thanks for ordering it for us, man. Mm. LFD's paying for this, right? 
<laughs> this was not. Uh, there was no prior approval given by anyone. That was that was a joke, people. This, this Carney, show, if you're listening, that was a joke. This okay. show is sponsored by John Carney. <laughs> Brought to you by steak. <laughs> Dry aged steak. Dry aged steak. Oh, but yeah, you guys. As soon as you guys get the drinks, you guys definitely gotta. If you can uh, pack a new pipe and and try the old stuff with the new drink because it's it's really really wonderful. I'll definitely I'll definitely give it a try. I'd love I'd like to actually um, try and smoke some of the old stuff alongside the new stuff because um, I'd like to see the the difference there. Here's the old tin over here, and here's another pipe of mine. Um, so, Nick. Yes. Back to the topic with which I asked. Oh, <laughs> sorry. What are your thoughts about all of this stuff that is happening? It's it's uh, you know, um, you know, gotten a lot of people hot and bothered. You know, hot and bothered. Things are happening. Things are things happening. are happening. Yes. Uh, Maybe you don't have anything to say. I don't know. I'm just asking. I don't. I don't really have an opinion. I know it was. I know it was an issue for a lot of the cigar companies before. Yeah. Um, and for a couple of the companies to drop out, mm-hmm. I think it's it's probably going to maybe start a domino effect. And all of them start to drop out one by one, and then maybe they're going to start doing something on their own, doing something elsewhere to more benefit the companies. Because from what I've heard in the past... Um, a lot of the companies were not happy that they changed some of the rules and regulations and some of the the the, the timing of the events and letting mm. people in in the press and it's taking away um, from the main objective for the companies there for for the cigar industry they're there to communicate and like Steve said that that's you know that's sales that's taking away from the company so uh, how I see it is you know, there's a couple of companies that say, "Yep, nope, I'm all, I'm all set, I'm out," and it might start a domino effect. Well, the thing is, these are not little, these are not little companies. They are, you know, the the four biggest companies in the United States. Yes. You know, so this isn't like, you know, some little boutique, bo peep shop saying, "You know what? I'm just pulling up and going elsewhere." This, the, and that it's all four of them. Is is a huge thing, right? Uh, now, am I wrong? But I, I'm thinking too that, yes. that this is um, the date of the show has gotten further and further into the year over the years, and one one of the things that has just uh, you know has never made sense to me is having it right in the middle of the summer, which is the busiest time of year for shops and you know this is supposed to be a time for retailers to get together with the manufacturers this is a retailer driven thing and um, so many places have a hard time taking the time out of the you know the busiest week of the year to go to the trade show you know, um, you know. Here at Twins, we've got a large staff. Kurt's going to the the PCA. He's a big supporter of it, and um, 
you know, he'll be there and everything. And we'll have plenty of people here to, to keep going, but most places don't have the kind of staff to do that. Um, what are our thoughts on that? I mean, wh why couldn't, wouldn't a lot of these problems be solved if they did it like in the dead of winter when no, you know, business was slower for most places in the country mm. anyway? Well, Still have it in a nice warm place. I mean, why not? But well, yeah, was last year was the week before, like what five days before the Fourth of July? It was like the, the weekend of Fourth of July. The weekend of Fourth weekend of July. July. Okay, yeah. so it was what the Ju July first, like whatever. So yeah. that was which a is the bu bu busiest. I, week I of know. The summer. I know that they, there's a lot of people complaining about that, but now they moved it to the tenth, which is the week after. But it's still, like you say, it's it's incredibly busy. People are are on vacation. Um, you know, we, we're. You know, we're we're experiencing a lot of people coming in, and so and we've got a decent staff here. Like you said, if you if there's a retailers or others that do not have it, they maybe the owners uh, are very much involved in, in the retail side of things. They have to now decide: is it worth their time to pack up and go and leave a skeleton crew behind, right, to to attend this? Um, I think it makes sense to maybe do it. Again, without knowing the schedule and what what they're trying to overall accomplish, but maybe like May, mm. you know, before the before the season really kicks on. I think um, last year was uh, a major hurdle just because it was Fourth of July weekend. That is a very big yep. um, time for business. Um, a lot of my retailers were saying that that's their that Father's Day. Those are their Two it's biggest days of the year. Those yeah. are the bread and butter week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So last year was definitely um, difficult for a lot of retailers to attend, and it showed um, just looking down the hallways um, of the trade show floor. Um, I think uh, Coop actually posted a picture um, from front to back hallway um, where you could maybe see two or three people um, in that alleyway in between booths going you know a couple hundred feet long um i think um going back to a little bit later in july will uh significantly um help compared to last year um however the inherent cost of um attending for retailers as well as uh the cost of having a booth at pca um is rather extreme. Um, you're dealing with unions in uh, Vegas in the um, expo centers mm -hmm. where it's rather expensive to have a outlet put in your booth. I don't remember the exact total, um, but it is definitely an exorbitant cost um, compared to what most people would think it would you know, cost to do simple electrical work. Um, and Doing it earlier in the year, I think, might um, cause some issues as well financially because you're looking at significantly more expense um, to rent that expo space because let's let's be real, in July when it's uh, roughly 105 to 120 degrees in the Las Vegas desert, nobody, wants it. nobody really wants to go to Vegas. So I have a feeling the expo centers, um, that block of time is significantly cheaper. Um, and it makes it. Dave, stop doing the way you chat, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> doing earlier in the year is going to be significantly more expensive for a trade show that's already very expensive. 
Um, it would be more beneficial uh, for retailers to be able to attend. Um, doing something, as it was mentioned before, um, January, February, like very, very early winter, mm-hmm. um, I think financially it would be difficult for uh, retailers to be able to purchase in that kind of quantity that they do in July. Because if it, let's say December, that's end of the year. That's when you're doing inventory and having to worry about taxes on existing inventory. And no one really, everybody's pretty much dwindling their inventory down right after Christmas time. Um, so it would require um, a significant change in ordering at that point. And I don't know if it would necessarily be worth the expenses uh, going to increase um, in a a little bit cooler time, mm. temperature-wise, um, and it could make things even more difficult um, for retailers in a buying sense. And then at that point, if you're not seeing a return on investment, um, you're in the same position that we are now, where financially just doesn't make sense um, to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, LFD's been a supporter of PCA, IPCPR, RDTA <laughs> since the beginning. <laughs> Um, and I think it's a really important thing it is because we're supporting the industry that um, creates jobs mm-hmm. um, if you think of the amount of jobs in the US um, it really pales in comparison to the amount of people that are in Nicaragua Dominican Republic, Honduras mm-hmm. Costa Rica, all the major cigar producing countries, you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are supported based on this industry, um, which I, I really don't want to touch upon FDA, but I think FDA doesn't really understand how much their um, regulation could potentially affect <laughs> the third world third, countries. The third world countries <laughs> that are <clears throat> people's livelihoods are mm. dependent on, you know, rolling cigars, fermenting tobacco, mm. uh, and it could create major problems. Um, you're talking about putting tens of thousands of people out of work. Yeah. And that's not even... The U.S., like I said, it pales in comparison to the cigar-producing countries. But still, small business is a huge thing in the United States. There's tons of cigar shops, most of which have never been to the the trade show for for reasons we've already said, um, because it is so expensive to go. Um. I, I wish, you know, I, I don't pretend to know all the ins and outs of that, and and I, I don't think there are any easy answers. I, I do wish it were, there were some way to make things more financially viable for more retailers to actually attend. Um, I have a friend of mine, you know, who, who owns a, a shop down in Massachusetts a number of years ago I really encouraged him to go and he'd passed on it you know year after year after year after year and so at this time he'd, he'd been in business for maybe 15 years never been there went and had a fantastic time made a ton of contacts thought it was totally worth it um, but as the years went on he, he was a, it was a one-man shop it just became cost prohibitive for him to go and um, you know, I felt bad for that because he, he had experienced 
you know, there's something about getting together in large groups like that. Uh, you know, when especially when you're sharing that same love, that same passion, and the same business. You know, there's there's something that happens there, a magic that happens there that I can imagine that just doesn't happen anywhere else. And so you you need stuff like that for people. But um, you know, so I'm I'm really hoping that the PCA figures out a way through this, and um, uh, I hope we're able to end up making it work. Mm-hmm. Now, some of us, including myself, have lit up some of the old tobacco and are maybe smoking it side by side or trying it with the new drink. Who has done that here? Yep, I have. It looks like Nick, too. I have. Are you smoking both side by side? or no, I'm smoking just the old again. Just the old again. So you just finished smoking the new stuff. Are you noticing anything that you didn't notice before, differences between the two? I think it, it definitely brings out um, more the more the Virginias. Mm-hmm. Um, the aging? The aged. Yep. Yeah. And the Virginia is what's going to age the best because it has the most sugar naturally left in the leaf. The, the flu curing process that's used aging Virginias creates more sugar and then stops that process before it the sugar evaporates and changes into into CO two. It's also made the uh, the retrohale a lot more potent, more 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 of a pepper. In the old, in the old, yeah, I I was noticing that too. It's just like with the the um, uh, chisel last week. The the spice in the old is much sharper than it is in the the new stuff and i'm still trying to figure out the words i would use to explain that but it's very different Do you, have you noticed that um nick not really you're saying that the old is has a little bit more spice into it different spice yes so in that case so what i'm getting with the old stuff it's more of a a subtle spice versus the new stuff where you get more of the 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 instant bite on your tongue, mm-hmm. um, the the sweetness in the old stuff. Now with the drink that I'm the 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 penicillin that we're drinking, um, and the old stuff. I think it brings out a little bit more of the spice, but it remains really subtle, really smooth. And the sweetness in the drink is bringing out a lot more sweetness in the old tobacco, and it's really really nice, really pleasant, still consistent. Still really smooth, still really subtle. Um, the new stuff, I'm smoking the new stuff now. I switched over to uh, the 2019. And it's just really, really in your face, really present. Um, I don't really get the subtle sweetness that I do from the old one, obviously. Um, but it's still really good. I would definitely still range this as a medium full, full body smoke. Hmm. I think I'm, I'm comparing both of them now, and I feel like the uh, the older one is is more of a pepper in the retrohale than the new with the uh, with the current pairing. I think the biggest note that I pick up uh, talking about the vintage uh, pipe tobacco um, 
I really uh, hesitate to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's if you take um, a boiled peanut, remove the skin, and just kind of eat the skin, and then throw a lightly roasted peanut in your mouth, there's that slightly um, acidic bite, um, but you're getting that like peanut character to it. Um, which I was not picking up at all. I think that acidity and the sweetness from the penicillin um, really brings out that nuttiness of the aged tobacco um, mm. that really isn't there at all in the current production. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, the, the retro in the older tobacco adds so much more spice to it. So much more spice to, oh, yeah. than the new stuff. But the, it's the but it's subtle though. It's yeah. so no, it's not n- not to me. To me, not it's to you. It, it's to me, it's like, kicking. It's like it's making kicking. me cry. Yeah. It's so really, yeah, it's not sharp. to me. It's, it, but you gotta give it a fresh light, man. I'm not. Uh, I'm not getting that sharpness at all. I don't. It's, it's, I don't get it either. So let me let me get this going again. Yeah. And, and that nuttiness is really on the palate. It's not on the retrohale at all. Right. Yes. It's correct. Super super peanut. Yeah. Uh, it's. Almost it's, cashewiness, maybe. I don't know if it quite has the sweetness of the cashew, because uh, uh, cashew almond? can. Nah, I'm, I'm saying peanut. Mm. It's it's like peanut butter almost. Yeah. And that cocoa's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. The cocoa's yep. completely disappeared, but that it's so insanely nutty. The retro on I get the, <laughs> the new stuff for me is much more savory, woody, earthy. There's a lot more oomph to it, where the retro on the old stuff has almost a, a white pepper quality to it that um, overpowers a lot of my ability to taste anything else. It just, you know, if you have clogged tear ducts, smoke this old stuff and you'll be good. <laughs> See, I don't get, I don't get that. I really don't get that, and it's. I don't well, let say me explain it to you. Nick. I, I, I don't, <laughs> it's got a lot of bite. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't want to go as far as saying it's unfortunate that I don't taste that because I'm really, really enjoying the old stuff with the new drink with the penicillin because I think it just kind of evens it, everything out and it's again another drink that Kendra uh, made for us that's absolutely seamless with 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 the tobacco we're smoking and it's bringing out some more of the sweetness and some mm-hmm. cocoa and some uh, a little bit of the the peanut in there earthy uh maybe a little barbecue-ish uh taste in there and it's really really barbecue pleasant sauce. and the and the greatest part about it is the tobacco is gives you all that flavor and it's ridiculously smooth mm-hmm. the new stuff is kind of like i said more full body more in your face more where you have to slow down and and really appreciate the richness that it's giving you. Mm. I'm getting that slight white pepper. It's a very gentle pepper. Um, I mean, talking about cigars, which I'm uh, a lot more well-versed in, um, you'll notice that red or black pepper um, in a lot of cigars and when you, specifically Nicaraguan, um, and if you're smoking a little bit more Dominican, you get that more white pepper note. Um, and I can definitely pick that up on the retrohale and more aged tobacco. Mm. I, I wouldn't say it's quite as o- as overwhelming for me. Mm-hmm. 
but it's it's there. There's no question. It's about much that. more prevalent than in the yeah. new stuff. It I think the new stuff the flavor is so overwhelming. There's so much going on there. Um, that going back to the secondary tertiary the yeah. flavors that really come out as you're aging tobacco, I think that's one of them that it really kinda comes through uh, and becomes a lot more noticeable as opposed to the I mean the lot of key is a little bit more noticeable in the more recent production. Sure. The uh, Perique is definitely coming through a little bit more. It kind of has that mm-hmm. roasted nuttiness, mm-hmm. um, that uh, almost barbecue saucy, um, steak saucy note. Well, that's uh, the Latakia you're tasting. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Paul, you've been really quiet. The the old stuff. You know, smoking this back to back, and I'm glad I did, Nick. I'm, I'm glad you it mm-hmm. encouraged me yeah. to do that. Yeah, amen, brother. Is noticeably sweeter. Mm. Yes, and you know that's that's a component of the aging of the Virginias. Virginia is one of those tobaccos that ages really well, and the longer you let it go, the sweeter it's going to get, the richer it's going to get. Um, Burleys don't really have a whole lot of sugar in them. They're not going to change that much. Latakia is going to lose its flavor as you age it. That's and we've seen that. And yes, yeah. the smokiness is much more prevalent in yeah. the in new the newer, yeah. than in the old. Absolutely. It's still there, but a lot of the edge is taken off. Yeah. So if you really like really strong, over the top lat bomb type of stuff, don't bother aging it because if you age it, you're not yeah, going to have that drop on. And you know what I also, sorry to cut you off. No, uh, no. You know what I also realized is with the drink, which is a real, really nice, I don't want to go as far as saying a neutralizer, but with the new stuff, it the, the tobacco raises the drink up as mm. far as the spice goes and as far as the sweetness. It kind of raises it up to its level. With the old stuff, it pushes the tobacco the drink pushes the tobacco up and kind of brings out a little bit more flavor. Mm. So it's a really nice drink to have with both of these. Mm. Yeah, it is. And that's the perfect example of a pairing that you really want. You want a pairing that will elevate um, whatever you're smoking, whether it be pipe tobacco, cigars. You don't want any anything to dominate, whether it be the cigar or the drink. You want it to be harmonious and really right. accentuate all of the stuff that you may not be able to pick out. Um, and I think the acidity really has a lot to do with it. That mm, yeah, rye, the acidity in the drink? Yes. Yep. The rye initially had a bite to it, which mm-hmm. I think mellowed out the tobacco a little bit too mm-hmm. much. I think it may have uh, dominated that spice that may have been there, um, whereas there's no spice in the penicillin. It's sweet has a little smoky note to it from the Laphroaig. Mm-hmm. Um, and that acidity from the lime juice and that little bit of bite from the ginger really wakes both of these tobaccos up. Mm. And for both of these, it's a, it's a perfect pairing. It's the best pairing I've ever had um, with any type of tobacco, by far. I'm still getting a lot more a lot more pepper and spice in the old with the, with the drink than I am with the new. Mm-hmm. I'm going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I get much retro more hail. spice. Yeah. Much more spice in the old stuff for me. Now, it seems like I'm, I've missed out on all your experiences here with the going back to the old t- 
tobacco with the penicillin, but there's one major hurdle that I could not overcome, and that is there's no way on God's green earth I could justify putting the aged tobacco into a corn cob pipe. <laughs> and I just do it. That's why yeah, I decided to stick with the new tobacco in my 7-Ele and continue on. Mm-hmm. Now, you <laughs> snob. What, Paul, what do you... What are your thoughts on the drink and how it went with these different tobaccos? Well, I can only speak you from. Can only speak I can only the, speak with the nineteen uh, mm-hmm. tobacco, but I, I thought the pairing was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. I thought the Amen. the uh, the ginger and the, and the lemony flavors that came out of the drink mm-hmm. complemented the tobacco. Um, I did not pick up a tremendous difference on the palate, but the retrohale, like we talked about, was absolutely fantastic. Mm, you know, yeah. Definitely a lot more spice on that one. More more full of body. Um, but I'm just going to stick with my uh, 19 and uh, just live vicariously through all you. We're going <laughs> to find gentlemen. <laughs> We're going to have to get him another pipe. Yep. That's it. It's just an old coot. <laughs> oh man, that's you, just so wrong. I'm so relaxed right now, David. You can keep on insulting. Or I don't whatever, want to change. You know. I just, just, just give me one. It's, it's ages. I can't deal with two pipes. Dude, you're gonna go. Out, you're gonna go out to four slash tires after the. After no, the no, 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 no. I'm relaxed. No, no, he'll just yeah. You know, I'll just be downstairs next week. And That's right. You're doing the whole downstairs <laughs> humidor. Humidor. Your, 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 your spark plug sp- wires are going to be pulled. <laughs> uh, we'll have, we'll have you. We'll have you alphabetize it from Z to A. No. He's gonna. He's gonna put a, a fish underneath <laughs> underneath your 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 exhaust pipe. <laughs> that that would be nasty. Mm. I worked nasty. with I worked with somebody that used to pull pranks like that a mm. while ago. I was in uh, high school and we used to I went to a tech school. That was a long time ago. That was a very long. It was like 20 years ago. And uh, I, I went on I went on a job and this guy used to love playing pranks on people and this guy used to um, another guy pulled a prank on him and he's like, "Watch, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to get this guy, right?" So one day I'm like all right, well, what are you going to do? He brought me out to his car, opened up his trunk, and he had a case of fish. And I'm like, well, okay, well, what do you want me to do with that? He's like, I don't want you to do anything. He's like, watch. So he closed it. We went back in. We worked. I got out, and it was a cold night. It was a cold day, so everybody went out to warm up their cars. So like a half hour later, everybody went out to their cars, and it smelled like burning fish. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and I was like, dude, what, what is that? I'm like, is somebody cooking fish? Like, it, it smelled really bad. So the guy went to his truck, the guy that, you know, the this guy went to his truck, and he was like, dude, what the hell is that smell? What is that smell? And the other guy that played the trick on, or played the prank on him, he's, he's, he's at the door, and he's laughing, 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 laughing. And he went, he's like, look under your car, or look under your truck. He looked under his truck, and this guy on lunch break put, I think it was eight fish in his tailpipe. Not in his tailpipe, but like neck, like like between the truck and the tailpipe. Mm-hmm. He went underneath his truck and put it under his car on the tailpipe. So when it heated up, it started to cook the fish. And I was like, this guy is unbelievable. And 
Oh, that's a big well, oh, waste see, of fish. That, yeah. It is, but he, he went I went to a crazy. vocational high school, and our auto tech guys disassembled the principal's car and reassembled it in his office. <laughs> wow. And I don't... <laughs> that is just like... That was awesome. <laughs> we picked up... In high school, we, we had this kid, Albert. and uh, he, Fat Albert? Yeah, you could probably... You could, he was a big boy. And um, he bought... He was like one of the first, first people on the football team to buy a car. And it was just little... Toyota Tracel, baby blue. He was so proud of the car, everything, right? And it was so small. And he parked like at the end of the, the parking lot. And what we did was we actually, it was like six of us, we picked up the car and we moved it halfway across the parking lot. It took us three hours to do, but we moved it from one end of the parking lot to the other. And he was freaking out. Because he didn't know. He was like, I didn't park there. I didn't park there. How'd the car get moved? How'd the car get moved? And it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, we were we were terrible <coughs> at school. We, uh, <clears throat> I was an electronics major. And so when we found out how we, how we make our own circuit boards, which is you would put tape on a copper-plated board and, um, and then let it sit in etching fluid, which eats copper, except for the copper that's covered by the tape. So when you take it out, you have your circuit. Um, so someone thought it was it'd be a great idea if we just took a water bottle filled with etching fluid and put a penny in it, and then put the cap on. And so after like 45 minutes, it just you know it's nothing serious, but it's a big bang. Mm-hmm. And all of our desks were actually like big cabinets, so about like. I don't know, 45 minutes after, like, lunch break, you just hear, boom! <laughs> and the, and the, the teacher was Sicilian, so he just went off in, <laughs> in Italian. It was all, And he, he talked like a mob boss. He was like, yeah, sure, you know, like that. So you could just imagine him, like, just swearing like that. And it was just, it was the funniest thing I had ever seen in my life. He probably retired after that, didn't he? Probably, yeah. Needed therapy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Probably gave him Parkinson's too. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Well, what are our final thoughts on these tobaccos? Did did you um, enjoy the the new or the old? You know, did you enjoy one more than the other? Both the same for different reasons. What's your What's your thoughts on this whole thing? I I thought the uh, both were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the I'm going to say that the aged tobacco was absolutely my favorite, um, and simply because it was just a, an absolute smoother experience overall. The On the palate and on the retrohale was just fantastically smooth. Subtle spice, a little bit more of that wood cedar notes. This one here, same deal. I didn't, I didn't, I thought this was going to be a little bit more in your face on the palate. It was very smooth too, but that retrohale was just, you know, much more spice and and uh, much more full of body. Both were fantastic. I'm going to give it uh, both thumbs up, but I'm going to really focus a little bit more on the on the uh, vintage. It's interesting, you know, when you with a good, well blended English mixture, when you smell the tin, they call it the tin note. Um, you know, the new 
stuff was significantly more pungent mm-hmm. than the old. Mm. And you kind of expect it to have this really wicked, strong, in-your-face thing. But if it's really blended right, it doesn't taste or smell anything like that right. when it's when it's burning. And so that's, I think, the mark of a really good, well-balanced English blend there. What, what do you think, Nick? New, old... Nicotine. Mm. Well, 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 well. If you have the patience, yeah, get this and age it because it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you don't, still buy it and smoke it. <laughs> Find a friend who has it aged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, absolutely. Well, this is this is another. This is a. I think this is another prime example of um, the 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 cellar reserve from C and D because you have the speakeasy, which is also fin- part of that series. Right, exactly. It's another cellar reserve um, or a cellar series, I should say, um, that is absolutely fantastic. You know, right out of the tin, right you know, right on the shelf. You take it off, you smoke it. It's absolutely fantastic. I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't had anything, uh, any speakeasy that's been aged for more than maybe a couple of months, but. You know, I could just imagine that being, you know, 10, you know, 8 to 10 years. But that's another one that, you know, just, it's wonderful just buying it and smoking it. Mm. You know what I mean? So if you have the patience, buy it or get into, it'd be nice for me, it'd be nice to try to, you know, find a couple of these tins and put them away. Um, I don't know if I have the patience to do that. But if you have the patience, do it. Yeah. Buy it, and and I'm telling you that your patience will be rewarded yep. with absolute deliciousness. Yep. And do any of you remember Christmas cheer from McClelland? I don't think any of you were pipe smoking that long ago no. when McClelland was around. But Christmas cheer came out every year, and uh, McClelland, which is they're no longer in business, um, are really kind of credited with discovering the joys of cellaring tobacco. Um, I think really before then, when the tobacco came to you in the tin or the pouch or the bulk, whatever it was, it was really meant to be smoked at that point. But they started fooling around with aging stuff. And I remember having Christmas cheer back around 2000 and at that time, I was a young pipe smoker. I was just getting into things, and and I didn't know what I had at the time. But it was this incredible, rich, spicy stuff. And now I know what it was. It was five-year-old aged Virginia. There you go. That's all it was. Straight Virginia leaf that they had saved and aged for five years before releasing it to the store. And it was an incredible thing. That's what made them so great. So, I, you know, Carolina Red Flake, um, uh, any kind of vapor, uh, you know, Virginia Perique blend, um, Orlick Golden Slice, for instance, would be a good one. Um, Speakeasy is basically a Virginia Perique. It's Virginia Perique and some, some Orientals in there. Um, all of those Virginia-based things are going to age incredibly well, and you will notice huge changes in those. Um, it's one of the reasons that, that uh, 
um, Escudo is so popular because that Virginia Perique ages incredibly well. And um, uh, I know people who literally they they buy six or a dozen tins or so, put them away, and they won't smoke them until they're five years old because mm. five years later, it's a completely different animal than it is right out of the tin. Yeah. And they would say, you know, it's even boring out of the tin. And we've smoked it out of the tin on this show, and it was not boring at all. I can only imagine what that means, you know, smoking it five years later. Um, so, you know, the one thing you have to have is what Nick said. You have to have the patience. You have to have the self-control. And up until now, being totally transparent with you, Pastor Patron has not had a lot of self-control. <laughs> I have never been able to. Big I, I have, since I've come to Twins, I have taken, uh, I think, uh, four. <laughs> Total of four tins, three well, of which are Carolina Red Flake, and have chucked them into the back of, of, of my cabinet where I'm keeping my tobacco, and I am not going to touch them for as long as I can. Now, the one that I would, sorry to, again to cut you off, the one that I would be really, really interested in, in smoking maybe five years from now, mm. would probably be that um, plum pudding special reserve. Mm. That's got to be... Hmm. Something special, yeah, yeah. We got and do those that. the special reserve is already um, special. A, well, it's already <laughs> a, it's it's older tobacco. That's what makes it special. Yeah, it's, it's older, rarer tobaccos. Now, the, and that's a limited run thing. I don't know how many tins they have of that. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things is is uh, uh, Seattle Pipe Club has come out with a third plum pudding. Whoa. Called plum pudding, uh, bourbon pudding. barrel pudding. plum pudding bourbon barrel aged. Mm. Are we going to be what, getting any of that in? Uh, yes, right now it's on a uh, uh, limited release. You know, uh, through um, uh, pipesandcigars.com. dot yep. com, um, and and when that runs its course, you know, so February. I'll be able to get it into the into the store. Nice. I called the distributor to make sure I'd be able to do this. But what they've done with that is they've taken regular plum pudding. They haven't changed the recipe at all. But they take that tobacco and they age the tobacco in bourbon charred barrels for 30 days. Then take it, press it, pack it, make it into the cake. And as they're tinning it, they take an inch block of that charred barrel and put it in the tin Ooh. before they seal it. So that if you decide Hallelujah. to go through the process of aging it, it is still going to be in direct contact with that bourbon barrel. That's insane. That's Imagine so if they did that with like a box of cigars, you know, with the age. That'd, That'd be, be interesting. That might be a bit too pungent. Maybe. <clears throat> Like but made the box out of the barrel. It's a it's a very it's a very very unique uh, thing, and you know I'm excited to have that come into the store. But you know it's stuff like that when you think about aging and and how that wood and char will affect being inside that sealed tin for six months, a year, 
five years. That that's going to be very very interesting. And again, I, I don't know if that's going to be a limited run thing or a permanent thing. But wow, uh, I'm looking forward to to getting that in. Yeah, we should definitely you know say a big thank you to Mark for uh, helping us out. Yeah, Most uh, that's that's a really good point. I don't think I've said this. Our our good friend and buddy Mark Mormar from uh, Laodice who is the, the parent company of Cornell and Deal, gave us this aged tin of uh, joie de vivre um, uh, out of his own personal collection. Um, and we're Mark, we're very grateful to that. This has yes. been an incredible treat. And um, uh, I'm also grateful for twins who purchased a, uh, a tin of the, the new stuff for us because it's yeah. not something we normally carry. But, right. Uh, we're grateful for that too, so that we could do this side by side comparison. That's and, awesome. And hold on, we'd like to thank Steve for coming back on the show. Again. Yes, we do thank need you, to Steve. thank Steve. Thank for you very back much, on the man. Show. But before we stop, Dave, we need to know what you think of the the tobaccos there. Um, I, I'm I I like the old tobacco better. I feel like why. Uh, I like the old tobacco better I, because it was smoother. I feel like the taste uh, of like the, the Virginias and the, the Mesquite uh, was richer. Uh, the, the Latakia and the newer was kind of like, you know, you know, Latakia. And uh, okay. <laughs> it was just, wow. but it was, it was, is it? The Virginias are the Virginia. Notes. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I'm also I'm also wondering, you know, I it changed drastically for me with the pairing mm. when the pairing changed, and um, I liked the older um, the older version better with the newer pairing. And what about you, Steve? You can speak freely since this is not an LFD product. <laughs> <laughs> As most of you know, I enjoy H tobacco very much. Um, I am going to stick with, uh, what Dave said, the aged tobacco, um, is something that I enjoy a little bit more. Um, in my mind, I automatically translate, uh, this to wine. Um, the current production is like a big, bold red that has a lot of tannin. Yeah. That kind of slaps you in the face. The yeah. Latakia is that tannin in that mm. wine. And as you let it age let it sit down, forget about it for a little bit of time, that tannin starts to kind of loosen up, it starts to mellow out, and you notice a lot more going on. Um, the f going back to wine, the fruit notes kind of back off, that su aggressive smokiness and that spice kind of mellows a little bit um, and makes a really great, um, very enjoyable experience um, and touching on Nick's point earlier, um, I don't think patience is necessarily um, the most important thing. It's about buying enough of the tobacco or cigars <laughs> to last you the amount of time you want it to age. Amen. Grab a couple tins, grab a couple boxes. The Chisel Maduro is something that's a little bit easier to... Um, buy a couple boxes of because it's only a 10 count box mm. um pipe tobacco is um fairly inexpensive yeah. in the grand scheme of things um and it allows for um 
a lot more experiences throughout a single yep. tin. Um, if you grab, you know, five tins of your favorite blend, um, and most pipe smokers are hopping around to different blends, different companies, um, different types of pipe tobacco. Um, they don't usually stick with just one unless they really love it. Um, that'll allow you to, you know, forget about a tin or two, um, throw it in your basement, keep a special storage area like I do with my um, wine cooler humidor. That's a humidor that I very rarely go into um, intentionally so I can sit on cigars longer. I have, you know, six or seven humidors filled with cigars, and I don't recommend... Uh, most smokers to, you know, have six or seven humidors because it will take up a lot of space in your uh, house, apartment, whatever it may be. Uh, but pipe tobacco is so much um, easier to, you know, stash away a couple tins, um, hop between blends, and forget about those tins for a couple years, five years, ten years, whatever it may be. Um, and you'll really, really enjoy the experience you have um, with that aged tobacco whether it be mm. pipes or cigars. Mm. Awesome. And again, Steve, thank you f- uh, for being here again two weeks in a row. I know you got a long drive back home. Very, very glad that you were with us for another week. Thank you. Um, this is something that I'm looking forward to doing the third episode at a later date once I can procure the uh, cigars that I intend on using. Yeah, let's let's kind of uh, refresh the, the audience's knowledge of our... Future plans. So mm. <laughs> last week we touched upon um, a lot about what tobaccos are best aged in terms of cigar tobacco, whether it be um, specific blends, specific countries, or um, what was brought up was Connecticut Shade. Mm. Connecticut Shade is generally very mild, um, very nuanced, and you don't think about aging something that's so mild for a long period of time. Um, what I intend on doing um, is presenting a Corona size of the premium liner Suave, as it's now known, um, from 2003, wow. 2010, and current production from 2019, 2020, um, depending on where that box actually comes from. It's probably 2019. Um, and seeing how a milder tobacco will present itself with a rather significant amount of age that most people wouldn't think to put on something so mild. Yeah, and that that will cool. not be uh, for several weeks uh, just because it's going to take, um, Steve, a, a little bit of time to procure that older box of uh, tobacco. It's being held for him on reserve at a particular shop. Um, so... Next week, what we're going to do is kind of go through the cigars that came out in 2019, and we're all going to share with you what uh, our, what would make our top 10, our top 10 newcomers for 2019. And then we will probably argue and fight amongst ourselves <laughs> on the air and come up with maybe a cigar that we all agree on was... Yeah, our favorite cigar for 2019. Spoiler we'll see, alert. We'll there, see how that goes. Spoiler alert. One of them will probably be the Aladino Corojo Reserve number four. <laughs> because that is a absolutely delicious blend. That is, yeah. Uh, Husto did a great job with that. It 
is very reminiscent of the old Camacho Corojo. Yes. yes. Going back to the original. That is on my personal all-time top five. I believe it's on yours, too, right, Nick? Correct. Um, that is a freakishly delicious uh, cigar. And the, the Very, very cool. The the change between, because we have the Toro, the Robusto, and the number four, mm-hmm. the differences between all three are, are, are very minuscule, but mm-hmm. when you get that number four, it blows your mind. Yeah. It's so awesome. The sad part is there's only 800 boxes to go around. And mm. then it's done. Hopefully we can convince Husto. Uh, Kurt may have enough weight <laughs> yeah. around that uh, he can convince Husto to re-release that blend. Yeah. Hopefully. If anyone has the beard to do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> may the beard be with you. Yes. Always. And also with you. And on that note, we'll see you next week. I have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> You have been listening to Not Just Blowing Smoke, the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twin Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and keep in touch with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. Thank you for listening, and that is Not Just Blowing Smoke.